All right. What was Jesus' purpose for coming to this earth? Let's do our memory verse together. John 10.10 says, I can't, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Let's do that one more time. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us that abundant life. The growth strategy that we're going to talk about this week is prayer. Uh, someone once said, I, I think Jimmy Johnson stole this uh, saying from, from, uh, from someone else. Jimmy Johnson was a Miami football coach, then Miami Dolphins football coach, then the Dallas Cowboys football coach. He said the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little extra. Prayer is that little extra. It's the difference between what you can do on your own and what you're capable of with God's help. A day when you are focused and fervent and a day when you are frantic and fatigued. See, y'all must have said a prayer for me right then because I was frantic because my computer wasn't starting. Um, but when you think about you, when you think about how you start your day, if you start your day with a period of time of prayer, then that can really set the day's tone. That can set your attitude uh, to be focused and fervent on what God wants us to be focused on. It is one of the great mysteries of life is why so few people use the power of prayer that God has given us. It's just sitting at our, in our mind, at our fingertips. And it's a simple act that we can do that is one of the most powerful things that we can do. It's amazing to learn how much information is contained in the scriptures on the subject of prayer. The subject of prayer is given a great deal of, of emphasis throughout the Bible. There are countless books that are written on the subject of prayer. Even in the series, the Four Dummies series, there's a book on prayer for dummies. Uh, so many sources to choose from to learn about prayer. But I submit to you, that the Bible is the greatest source and really the only source that one needs to reference in order for a healthy prayer life. So let's spend a little time this morning and glean some of what the Bible has to say about the subject of prayer. There are biblical incentives to pray. There's so many incentives and benefits given in the Bible concerning prayer. Let's look at a few of those this morning. There's a direct command to engage in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 17 and 18, everybody knows uh, these verses. Let's read them together. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We're commanded to pray. God, the Bible says this is God's will for us. 
and in everything that we do, we should give thanks. Jesus taught many parables, and one of the one of the more prominent parables Jesus taught was a parable on prayer in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Let's read that together and try to glean some information from that. Then he spoke a parable to them, the men that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. There's that pray without ceasing again. There was a certain judge who did not fear God, nor did he regard man. Now therefore there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not do it for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor do I regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, she, she wears me out. This is what the word means. Uh, lest her continual coming weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will, really, will he really find faith on the earth? This parable has many lessons uh, that we can take from it, but let's focus on two of the lessons. First, pray constantly. Don't lose heart. God is a righteous judge. This judge is an unrighteous judge. He doesn't fear God and he doesn't regard man. Contrasted to a righteous God. This reminds me of the scripture in Matthew 7 and verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you good things to those who ask. But the key is we need to ask. And secondly in this, it, it also reminds us not to lose heart while, being, while God is being patient with us and with mankind. Uh, thinking about Second uh, Peter and verse three and Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Both of these verses help us understand this passage a little better. God's not slack concerning His promises; He's patient. He wants people to be saved, uh, and, and, and He gives time. But there will come a time when we're out of time. Powerful examples of effective prayers. Uh, in James 5, verse 16 through 18, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Prayers are effective. I've been the beneficiary of, of fervent prayers. Just yesterday, our, our brother Tony Allen, who is uh, who's struggling with his 
with his own issues right now. He called me and he chatted with me for a while and and uh, he's been going through the treatments, as you know, and, and they're and they're weighing on him. And uh, but he called not to talk about that. He called to, to talk to me and check on me and check on my mama and check on how things were going. And, and then he prayed with me. And I tell you that 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 meant a tremendous amount to me to have a brother who is fervent in prayer, who cares and, and wants to uh, spend some time with you and God uh, lifting you up. Uh, there are great benefits of prayer. There's a wonderful promise in Second Second Chronicles seven and verse fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin. And I'll heal their land. I think that we can use this same thought today in our nation. Around the world. Uh, but certainly within the nation. Um, we're, in a, we're going through a lot as a nation right now. We're losing our way. Um, and we might not can see the outcome. But God does. And if we will humble ourselves as a nation, and if we will look to God again, then He will save us. But we also know that God um, punished Israel, and He used unrighteous nations uh, to punish Israel because of their sin and because of their falling away from God, because of Israel choosing to do differently, to chase idols. and So we need to be aware of that. So there are two elements, of two primary elements of prayer. Our prayers are to be offered to God through Jesus. Oftentimes we start our prayer, which is, which is holy right. Our Father in heaven. There couldn't be anything more right about that than starting your prayer just like that. Prayer is simply talking to God. He's interested in our welfare. He has unlimited power to assist us. Our chief concern should be to please Him. In Matthew 26 verse 39... This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And in Matthew 6.10, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer is all about God's will over my will. Spiritual growth and success are the results of putting God's perfect will before my own will. And placing God's will over our will 
we must be willing to admit that our ways are not the best. Ask God to overrule my requests. We receive, when we do this, we receive protection from our sinful nature. And it opens the door to new and better possibilities. So what, is, what does this sound like when we pray? God, I pray for your guidance as I ask you to help me see your will for my life. God, my ways are shallow and so often I can't see the big picture. I don't want to limit you, God, in how you can work. God, I pray that you will open my eyes to you. And I humbly ask for you to overrule my request if I'm being short-sighted. And I pray that you will open doors that I can't open myself. Doors that I may not even see. This is putting God's will over my will. He must increase and I must decrease. These are not just words that we say. When we pray a prayer like this, we need to be ready for God to open doors that may be closed. We need to be ready to study with that brother or sister who's not of the church. We, may be, we need to be ready to study with that husband who may not be a member of the church or that wife who may not be a member of the church. Those doors can be opened if we pray about it. Healthy minds acknowledge God. God's heart is pure and mine is sinful. God's interests are broad and mine are narrow. God's knowledge is infinite and mine is limited. God's perspective is eternal, but mine's temporary. Acknowledging all these things allows me to pray just like Jesus prayed. Father, not my will, but yours be done. The first element of prayer is to God. We pray to God. The second element is praying in Jesus' name. The reality is that we're unable and un unworthy to approach God without our advocate. Jesus made it possible to approach God through Him. He is our Savior, He's our advocate, and He's speaking to God on our behalf. Without Jesus, there would be no hope. We could not have access to God the Father without Jesus the Son. But thanks be to God that we have a living hope, and that hope is Jesus. We approach God in prayer by the authority of, by the power of, because of the power of Jesus. So often we close out our prayers by saying, in Jesus' name. What we're saying there, what we're recognizing there, is we're saying all of this in Jesus' name, by the power of Jesus. We cannot approach you, God, and say these words without Jesus. We're recognizing that link that He has given us. So what are we seeking when we're praying? 
Let's read these three scriptures together. Are your prayers Christ-centered are they, or, or are they fleshly-based? Matthew 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then in Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us there come, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In Hebrews 10, verses 21 and 22. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When we seek first the kingdom of God in His righteousness, then we can come boldly to His throne with absolute certain that we will find help in our time of need. Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Miserables and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, he said, certain thoughts are prayers. There are moments when whatever be the attitude of the body, the soul is on its knees. It reminds me of what my, my dad, my dad was a very prayerful man. Uh, he was, it didn't matter where he was. Uh, you, you better be ready because he just might start praying right there. We'd be out riding the golf cart, checking the cows or or riding down the road and daddy don't close your eyes when you pray. Uh, but it didn't matter what he was doing. He, he had a prayerful attitude. He was a, he was a pray without ceasing man. Uh, he taught me so much about prayer and, and the power of prayer uh, that, that I'll always remember. I pray I never forget it. The spirit of prayer. Mechanics matter. The correct form matters. Instructions on the mechanics of prayer is proper and has its place. But we must take care to capture the spirit of prayer and not just the form. Rather than grumbling, thank God. His, I'm sorry. The spirit matters more. Uh, it's the correct attitudes. It's not just your posture or your wording that counts. It's a mindfulness of the Father and the Son. It's not the length of time we spend in prayer, the loudness of our prayers, or, or the quality, the literary quality. It's not the words necessarily that we say. It's harmonizing our thoughts with their thoughts. It's aligning our will with their will. The Spirit matters more. Let's look at Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I am not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this tax collector here. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as even raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. The spirit matters. The tax collector had the right spirit. The Pharisee within himself was absolutely not within the right spirit. So when answered prayers are not what we expect, rather than grumble about it, we thank God. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says you need to wait a little while. You're not ready for this. But he will always do what's in our best interest. Sometimes we ask God for growth and He sends forth the rain. And at times within that rain, storms come. But in the end, God is faithful. And growth occurs when we are faithful to what we've asked for. Mechanics matter, the correct form. But the Spirit matters more. His... Sorry. We don't we don't always um, get what we ask for, do we, when we pray? And that's probably God protecting us from the things that we don't need, from the things that that we desire that not are in our best interest. God is always looking out for us. And when we are thoughtful and prayerful about it, then when our will aligns with His will, then that's when the benefit comes. Lord, teach us to pray. A little boy was on his knees and he was saying his ABCs. A man walked by and says, Son, what you doing? And the little boy said, Sir, I'm saying my prayers. He said, Saying your prayers? Yes, sir. Then why the ABCs? And the little, and the little boy said, Mr., I never been taken to Bible class or to church. I never been taught how to pray. So I figured I would just say my ABCs and that God could take the letters that he needed to form the words that I meant and everything would just be okay. Now that little boy didn't know how to pray, but he believed in the power of prayer. Jesus believed in the power of prayer as well. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, when Jesus had finished praying, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Can you imagine what it was like to see Jesus pray? Can you fathom what it was like to hear the prayers of Jesus? We can learn so much from an in-depth study of the prayer life of Jesus If one looks into the Gospels, 
going backwards, looking at Luke and then Mark and then Matthew and pay attention to the posture of Jesus when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. At first, in Luke, he's kneeling when he's praying. And then at Mark, he falls down to the ground on his knees and the verb tense says repeatedly. And then in Matthew, he stretched out on his face in the sands of Gethsemane. Hebrews 5 and verse 7 gives us a little insight into how Jesus prayed. The Bible says, In the days of his flesh, yes, Jesus was flesh and blood, just like me and you. He had hurts even more so than me and you. And the Bible says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. What was Jesus about to go through? We really don't know. I don't know what he was about to suffer. We know what's recorded in the Bible of the cross and the brutality and everything, but Jesus was about to suffer so much more being separated from God for the first time. That was such a burden to Jesus to think about that it brought him to the point of death. That was my sin that was going to make that separation. I'd love to do an entire lesson focusing on when and where and how and what Jesus prayed for. But that's, that's a story for another day. Lord, teach us to pray, his, his apostle said. So let's look at an acronym that can help us to, to have the right prayer attitude when we go to God in prayer. ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So ACTS is it's more than a checklist. These concerns are central to Christian living. So A stands for adoration. Adoration prepares you for what follows. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. God is heavenly. This speaks to his capacity. And God is holy. It speaks to his character. He holds the world in his hands. He spoke the world into existence. He is our creator. He is most worthy to be praised and adored. God's holy and he is to be adored. Repetition imprints these two ideas into our souls. God is infinite and just, these three ideas into our souls. God is infinite and just. He's eternal and ethical. God is unlimited and uncorruptible. You're ready to face anything a day may bring when you realize and come to grips with these things. God's infinite, eternal, and unlimited. Our Father. Why do you think God chooses 
to present himself to us as a father. Because he is our father. Why is this important? Why did he choose to do that? The love of a father, the love of, of godly parents is a, is a tremendous blessing to a person's life. Parents have their children's best interest at heart. Um, calling God the Father, it reminds us of God's love. Not just... You know, not just our creator in this awesome being, but a personal God who loves us like a father does. Our father in heaven, it speaks to his wisdom, but more about his love. He's near to us. He's not aloof and uncaring. Like a parent, he cares for you and he wants to protect you. He wants what's best for our lives. We need to believe this and believe that help is near and available to us only if we ask. Believe, believe God is almighty in power and love. He welcomes us into His presence. He wants us to come into His presence. He didn't place any limits on the time that we can spend with Him or the number of times we can come to Him. And He doesn't place any limits on just the duration. So, C stands for confession. Remember who's talking. Confession is the instinctive response when we realize that we're in the presence of holiness. Let's look at a few examples of people when they came into the presence of God Almighty in Jesus, what they said, what they did. In Isaiah, Isaiah writes in 6 and verse 5, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I will dwell in the midst of people, of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah, when he comes into the presence of God, he falls on his face and he says, Woe is me, I'm undone. In Luke 5 and verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, when he saw the miracle of Jesus, when he, when he's, when Jesus says, peace, be still. And he calms the seas. The seas were raging all about him and they thought they were going to die. Jesus speaks some words, peace, be still. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down on his knees before Jesus and said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And then in Luke 18, verses 13 and 14, and, the, and we just read this, uh, the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
It's a natural reaction to money, to our almighty God. When we realize our weakness, realize our sinful nature, and realize His holiness, His purity, and His love. So, act, so C is to confess our sins, to be aware of our sins. T, thanksgiving. Remember how blessed we are. Blessing should bring to mind the one who blesses us. Prayer and gratitude are partners with growth. Don't pray when it rains if you don't pray when the sun shines. Have you ever heard a farmer pray? I mean, I mean a real farmer, a farmer who depends on the rain when it's time and the sun when it's time, a row crop farmer or someone like that. Uh, growing up in the, in the rural parts of, of Alabama, there were lots of farmers around us. And uh, I know, knew of a farmer. Uh, it, it had gone without, we had gone without rain for this period of time for, it, you know, it, it was a month or so. It was, it was a long time. And when he got up to pray that morning in church, you knew uh, that he was a praying man. He prayed. He prayed the most fervent prayer for rain that I've ever that I've ever heard in my life, um, and it, it impacted my mind uh, that day. Giving thanks should come as a natural as natural as breathing when we think of what God has done for us. Thank you, God, that I am allowed to come before you. You have blessed my life so greatly. Thankfulness produces hopefulness. When you reflect on what God has done for you in the past, you grow more sure of what He will do and can do in the future. The residue of gratitude builds confidence in us. Joy and optimism are lingering traces of God's past blessings on our lives and we look forward to what God can do in the future. Our prayers should be a lot about thanksgiving. Most of our prayers focus on the last part, last part supplication. It's when we're asking God for something. And we need to remember that, yes, we do need God. God, your Father, is concerned about your future. The foundation of spiritual growth is recognizing that we need help from God and then for asking for it. The word supplication means the plea of a beggar, a person who is in great need. How many children needlessly struggle with problems that could easily be resolved if they would only go up to a loving parent and ask for help? How many Christians 
sit daily and struggle with a sin, with a problem, something that they can't overcome without asking God for. But then we don't approach God with it. We don't lay it at His feet and say, God, I need you. He wants to supply what we need. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, the Bible tells us, Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. If it presses on your heart, God wants to hear about it. No one has ever exhausted God's resources. So we need to use our prayer power. We do not come enough or ask enough. And then, what are we missing out on when we don't do that? In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that is, is, that is at work within us. Paul encourages the Ephesians to pray more boldly. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundant, more than I can even think about. I, 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 more than I can even ask God for, he is willing and able to do more than I can ask. Let's don't limit God in our prayers. God knows what's best. The sad fact is that God is infinite and accessible, but far too often we just don't approach Him. How many of us miss out on the full measure of God's blessings simply because we don't ask? Holy, healthy prayers. The only prayer request God prohibits is a selfish one. James 4 and verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. You ask wrongly. He's not there to fulfill a wish list. If it would harm you, then God says no. What else would you expect from a loving father? But when our will aligns with his will, then the floodgates of heaven will open and our cups overflow. I said, selfish prayers. <laughs> Have you ever prayed a selfish prayer? I have. <laughs> but, you know, if you give God a reason <laughs> and say, God, I want you to heal me because I think I got a lot of work left to do. I want to spend more time here on this earth and I don't want to waste it. when you have that kind of attitude, then healing can come. Our 
Our prayers are heard by a loving Father. And we pray in this manner. When we pray, our words are mended by a caring spirit. Acts 8 and verse, Romans 8 and verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray for or pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that we cannot, that we cannot even utter. When we pray, our thoughts are attended by a sympathetic son who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. When unselfish prayers are offered to the Father through the Son, by a petitioner, by me and you, with the right attitude, then the blessings are limitless. I hope that this lesson has benefited you as much as it has uh, from, from studying it. I want to be a better person of prayer. I want to spend more time in prayer because the Bible promises us so much greatness, so many blessings that we cannot even fathom. But all we have to do is ask in the right spirit, in the right mindset, saying, God, your will be done. And God, I hope that my will aligns with your will.